listening to The Good Fight, where campus meets Christ. Greetings, I am Timothy Kinneman. And I'm Grace Lita Gonzalez. And welcome to The Good Fight. Today, welcome, welcome. Oh, yeah, welcome. It's a competition now. Today, we are uh, uh, discussing, talking about, uh, explaining, exploring, exploring, assessing, exploring, exploring. We're exploring the idea of joy. What is it? Why does it exist? Where does it come from? All these different questions. And um, we're excited. Yeah. We're rejoicing. We are, well, that is exactly what we've titled this episode. Titled it Rejoice, um, exclamation point, hopefully included. And, the re- I mean, we had a, we did have some struggle kind of coming up with a title for this. I think we yeah. gave up on having something pithy. Um Mostly because I think we both concluded that joy is a pretty darn hard one to actually live out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so trying to come up with like one area of life it affects or one area we could kind of like do a play on words in the title. It's kind of limited, like gentle giant, like, oh, we had something to say about that. And um, are we there yet? We also had something to say, like it was a little bit more directed. But here with joy, it seems like it's much more broad. and I think we both kind of struggled with how to really call it anything else other than rejoice, like a directive, basically. Yeah. Well, and for me as well, I think we're able to tie the title into something that is very generic. It's like right. you don't need a Christian perspective to relate to the title. Um, and for me, joy is just something that is so Christian, um, that I, I couldn't think of a title that would have that same effect, where it would be accessible without being, like, overtly Christian. Yeah. I mean, I think I agree. I think it's one of those things where, especially... I was thinking about this a little bit, that I think our, our kind of our definitions of joy has probably been radically transformed by the fact that we're mm-hmm. Christians. and um, Because I think one of the things that we're going to focus on a little bit is the fact that joy is... is isn't just this emotional state of happiness. Right. Right. It's something more in how you can be deeply unhappy and really struggling with a lot and still be, be joyful. Um, and actually we were kind of, we were, I think we're going to go a little bit more emotionally or personally deep in this episode than before. Um, mostly because like, I don't know. I think joy is one of those things. I think at least I personally, in my struggle with being like when I've struggled with joy, um, it's never, it's something that like normally is like something pretty serious going on. So I think mm. both of us are kind of along the same line, but um, I was thinking back to kind of a time that I really struggled with joy in life and it was sophomore year of high school. Um, and my best friend at the time, actually still really good friend to this day. Um, she was basically really struggling with depression um, and hadn't really told anyone about it. and mm-hmm. was kind of really dealing with things on her own. Um, and no one really knew until she attempted to commit suicide for the first time. And I remember getting a phone call from her sister the next morning being like, she's in the hospital. Like, we don't know what's happening. We don't know if she's going to make it. We don't really know what's going on. No one really knew that it was an attempted suicide at that time. Mm. It was just kind of a, something happened. Some like, even that her family didn't know, um, until later, like it kind of all came tumbling out. Um, and then like over the course of the next year, she attempted um, again, and it was just like a long process. 
of her getting the help that she mm-hmm. needed and yeah. having, especially because it came out so suddenly, it was something that she was really dealing with on her own. Um, when it did come out, it was like, oh my goodness, was I like, like, was I a terrible friend that entire time? Mm. Like, how could I not know? We called every day. We talked all the time. Like, how in the world could I not know that, like, she was really struggling right, with something yeah. on the inside? Um, and there's kind of this element, like, that was not a joyful time in my life. I would not be like, oh, yes, of moments where I am, like, really happy. <laughs> not not one of them. Definitely mm-hmm. not one of them. Um, where, I mean, I was really mad at God. I was like, how in the world are you supposed to experience any form of joy in this? Like, how are you supposed to, what even does it mean to be joyful? Yeah. And I think that's probably one of the questions we're going to look at today of like, what does it mean to really be joyful when something like really hard is happening that you have to work through and really yeah. wrestling with yeah. God over it? Yeah. I, yeah, I have a very similar story. Although, um, unfortunately mine was not so, um, happy in the end. Um, my freshman year, I remember, um, my, my family was pretty involved in the, the theater program. My, um, and there was a, a student in that program who's in my brother's grade. He's just a year above me. Um, and so it was my freshman year. It was their sophomore year. And it was very early in the school year. Um, actually just over five years ago now, um, in early mid October. And I remember, uh, getting ready for school that day. And, um, my dad got a phone call and, um, I could tell something was wrong. Um, but it just kind of like, you just suppress that idea. Um, but my dad was one of the first people to get the phone call from the family to say that he committed suicide that night. Um, and that was probably the hardest day of my life, um, was going to school that day. And I mean, even up to a year and a half after that, it was really affecting my life. And I mean, what you said, like being mad at God, that experience was probably one of the, um, one of the reasons why I had a a very difficult time finding a relationship with God through high school. I was just struggling with that idea of how can, how could God let this happen? Um, but I mean, even a a year and a half after that, um, in the, the early January, February months of my sophomore year, I wrote like 40 pages for a, a school paper that was just like going through my emotions that day. Um, and it was like very cathartic in a way. Yeah. Um, but even at the end of it, I realized there were emotions in there that I would never grapple with. Even my, my high school, uh, graduation speech, um, when I was writing it, I mentioned that experience. And when I was writing the speech, I literally just sat there and cried. Um, and it was, you know, it was almost four years later at that point. And it's, you know, it's one of those things that sticks with you. Right. Yeah. And it's very impossible to just let go in the wind. Even now when I have the joy of the Lord, right, I st- I'm still left with the sadness of that experience. Yeah, it's one of those things that doesn't 
never really leaves you, right? Mm-hmm. You're you're shaped by it. I think all of us probably have something like can relate in some right. way to that. And I, I mean, it's so unfortunate that the problem of depression and anxiety and suicide is so prevalent in our culture today. Um, it it is a very sad thing, and I think far too many people have similar experiences of either knowing people or knowing people who have committed suicide or especially who have attempted um, or they themselves. And uh, it is a very sad thing to deal with. Yeah. So how in the world do you have joy? (laughs) Well, I mean, we've been alluding to it here, but um, we're Christians So I think we can have that sadness of these experiences even now um, and still find this joy. And Mm -hmm. to explain how, let's open up the age-old Bibble. 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 Being converted. Um, (laughs) Converted. (laughs) And let's start um, kind of basically with uh, Philippians 1.4. And I think from here we'll kind of see... Uh, what elements of joy allow us to rejoice even when we're sad, even when there are uh, hard, difficult circumstances in our lives. So Philippians 1.4. Philippians, again, I don't know if we've been in Philippians before, have we? I don't I... Know, we've been in Romans and Galatians. and Yes, we yes, have been in Philippians. I think we Philippians. have because we, yeah. Yes, so one of Paul's letters, um, this one to the church in Philippi, And he writes, uh, this is 1-4, yes. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Is this the right thing? (laughs) That seems a different verse. I must must have the wrong verse here. Oh, it's Philippians 4. I think you wrote it the other way out. It's Philippians 4-4, I think. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Okay. There we go. (laughs) Yes. Um, same book. That didn't change. Paul writing. Now, actually, this is interesting. Maybe That's kind of funny. That one ended up actually tying Yeah, in. interesting. Very interesting. Anyway, the correct verse this time, Paul writes, <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. It's just a good feeling, isn't it? Rejoice. You just do it already. Like, what is that? I don't know. That's how sometimes when I read that verse, I'm like, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Especially, there's, okay, my mom used to always, I don't know if she sang it, but there's a song that goes like, it's basically singing the tune of like, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And then it goes on, and it's like, rejoice, rejoice, and again mm-hmm. I say rejoice. Um, and it's one of those things where, like, we'd sing it and be like, dancing around the room and like, be happy. Um, but it's it's a harsh, it's a harsh directive, right? Because it's like, well... There's so many parts to it. One, like, what in the world does it mean to rejoice in the Lord? Like, what does it mean to do in the Lord? Right. And then, kind of, what does it mean to do it always? Mm-hmm. What does rejoicing look like? And why is it so important that it's, like, such so, so clearly outlined? Well, I think, to begin, um, let's focus on what it means to rejoice in the Lord. Um, and to do that, you know, a good place might be to just look in Philippians 
um, seeing as, you know, it should be it's all, all related. I mean, we've already seen that it's just like in an joy. unintentional In an unintentional reading of a verse, we've already found joy. Yes. So um, let's turn to Philippians 1, uh, verse 21, where it says... Maybe start up a verse before. Okay, okay. Maybe, I don't know. Okay, starting in, in verse 20. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Very famous verse. Yeah. And I think it might not at surface value, like really see the t- connection to rejoicing, but um, literally like a few verses before is, and I will, yes, and I will continue to rejoice because, mm-hmm. like, for... Um, and there's this idea that, like, it kind of flows together. It's a justification for, for why you're going to, why you're going to rejoice. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's just so powerful, the dichotomy here between mm-hmm. life and death, right? Whether by life or by death, um, to live as Christ, to die as gain. This idea that... Um, when you rejoice in the Lord, well, we'll get more into later the circumstantial aspect of life and death, but um, the idea that your life just is Christ, mm-hmm. um, that everything you do is for um, for the glory of God, for Christ. Um, and, I mean, Paul is a great example of this as someone who, uh, we discussed before, everything that he goes through for the sake of the gospel yeah um prison and uh, lashes like we have accounts of him being beat up and... yeah so that's intense it is and yet um christ here is the source of a continual joy yeah. for paul um because that's what his life is centered around right it it, it all focuses in towards christ um and so he's able to rejoice in him. And I think that's an interesting idea of what rejoicing looks like. Um, because I think, we were talking, Tim and I were talking about this before we really even began, of growing up, both of us having grown up in the church, our context for the word rejoice is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things, as I was eating a clementine, we were discussing how... Uh, Rejoice, the word rejoice, or like the directive rejoice, isn't really used very much outside of kind of Christian context, at least not in our lives. Maybe someone out there, because they're less, like, I guess has a better perspective of what um, lack, like a non-Christian kind of context for the word rejoice is. But um, at least for us, or at least for me, I should speak mostly for myself, I hear rejoice basically only in a Christian context yeah, me too. to the point that it's easy to skim over and be like, oh yes, rejoice in the Lord. But then it's like, well, if you're re- removing kind of the Christian context, it's like, can you really rejoice? Like, what does it mean to rejoice in something? Mm-hmm. And so here we have kind of, when talking about like to live is Christ, it's like, there's so much in that. There's like the entire gospel story, which really is the entire narrative of the bible yeah. from genesis like all the way to revelation mm-hmm. of this idea that like god's love and mercy and in god's love and mercy he sent his son to to die for us um and through christ like death burial and resurrection 
we get to have a new life. It's like that's obviously that's a whole lot of jibber jabber that's kind of hard to get into, yeah. but um, there's so much there. It's like you're rejoicing. When he's saying rejoicing Christ, there's like there's so many implications of what that really like what it is that we're rejoicing in mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. like let's say my sister gets me a present and I'm like oh yes I'm rejoicing in this gift. It's like it's very different in terms of just the weight of that. And I think you and I would probably say it's not true rejoicing. It's like not true joy. Yes. And not for the gift. No. Right. Not for that gift. I think there is one gift. Right. The gift. The gift. Um, <laughs> From God for context. Yes. I I think it's interesting um, to harp on that, though, this idea that of uh, like, I don't know, things of the world, I guess, uh, earthly gifts. Um, because in... in uh, Chapter 3, verses uh, 7 through 11. I don't know if I'll read all of them, but (laughs) Paul writes again, but whatever gains to me, I now consider loss. Oh, but sorry, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. Um, that that gift you you receive from your sister, Paul considers it garbage. He's like worthless. He considers it garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, uh, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Um, and it it continues, but I think the main idea to focus on there is I consider it garbage. Right. It's like. Not only can you not find joy in the gift from your sister, the, the the computer that we're working on right now, but what's more, it's compared to, as Paul says, the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. It's just garbage. It's worthless. And I think that's also kind of why finding joy in such hard circumstances seems so difficult, right? Because I think... By living in the world, we're kind of trained, if you will, Mm -hmm. to look to the world for our satisfaction. And so when everything in your world is falling apart, when you're like frustrated, confused and angry with God and like struggling with why in the world, like things you really don't desire are happening, Mm -hmm. um, it can seem really hard to find that, find any, any semblance of joy in your life. Um, and I think, okay, this might, might be controversial to some people, but I would say, I think that's cause it's not there. Like I, I think just like, I think this comes down to, you know, when we started all of this and we were talking about peace, we were talking about how kind of like the distinction between like biblical peace mm-hmm. versus kind of worldly peace. And I think we can say something. I think it's exactly the same here. Yeah. yeah. With joy. Where it's like when my sister gives me a gift, it's not that I'm not happy about it. It's not that I'm not enjoying it. I might even be like, quote unquote, joyful in the way that we commonly use the word. But I'm not truly happy. Like I'm not truly filled with joy. Right. By anything that you can find here. And I world. think I, one thing that maybe we could say to clarify that distinction would be what we meant, What I mean... I think you mentioned it earlier, the idea that um, we often think of joy as just an emotion. Right, yeah. 
I mean, happiness, sure, that's an emotion. But joy, I think we have to think of it as something deeper, um, a surpassing worth even. Um, and I think to do that, you can't term it as an emotion, right? This like physiochemical reaction right. in your body that's just like, I don't know. I think you, you do have to think of it as something deeper um, on a more spiritual level and consider it like a condition of your heart. Yeah. So I think maybe do we want to go over and talk about like we've been hinting at it the whole time. Yeah. What do you do about circumstances? Circumstances. Yes. Rough. Like, how do you handle those? What does it look like to be joyful? I think um, we were kind of wanting to touch on Habakkuk a little bit. There's a really wonderful Habakkuk or Habakkuk. Uh, it depends who you are. I'm pretty sure I pronounce it wrong, but like incorrectly. But the thing is, the first time I ever read it, I read it in like it was my high school Bible study, like through my high school, and one of the like the seniors was leading it at that time, mm. and she pronounced it Habakkuk, and it stuck with me. Like it is, yeah. which is it's funny because my family doesn't pronounce it Habakkuk. I'm pretty sure most pastors I've ever heard have not pronounced it Habakkuk. But the thing is. It's just like I that was the first time that was the first time I like actually read how, like a back hook. There we go. From the beginning to the end. Mm. And it wasn't just like a random book mentioned. So it's just stuck with me for the rest of my life. I actually I can't say the rest of my life, it's still going. But it's stuck with me thus far. So uh Habakkuk. I'm gonna get myself confused. Yeah, who is this Habakkuk guy? Why does he have such a weird name? Okay. I did research. Maybe we shouldn't say he has a weird name, but... <laughs> okay, Habakkuk. Um, so he was a contemporary of Jeremiah, hmm. um, which for people who don't know, Jeremiah was a, a prophet of the Old Testament. Um, he wrote a bunch of... Actually, which books did he specifically write? I have to uh, think that through. Uh, Jeremiah and Lamentations. Lamentations, okay. I knew he wrote something else, but I couldn't remember what it was. Um and I don't think there's a ton that's known about who he is. Um, He's a prophet in Judah. Nice. Oh, that is good. That's good context. Um, yeah, so he lived in Judah. I think it was, I think it's estimated that it was around like 640 BC or so. Mm -hmm. um, to 610 or 609 or something like that. So um, somewhere in that era is when he was alive. And... Yeah, so he, unlike a bunch of the other prophets, when you're reading... Sorry, so, we're talking about Jeremiah or Habakkuk, no. Oh, I'm talking Habakkuk. I'm back to Habakkuk. Okay, that wasn't they're clear. No, but they're contemporaries, right, contemporaries, sorry. So the time period will be the same. But yes, yes now back to Habakkuk. Um, so he, unlike kind of a lot of the other... What do you call it? Pro prophetic literature? No, it's like prophetic literature. There's another word for it. It's a literary genre in the Old Testament like, um, written by prophets. I don't know. Um, yeah, I just refer to it as... Prophetic problem. writings? I, I, know, prophetic, I know what you're talking about. Whatever that genre is. Um, he's a little bit different than the others in the sense that when we're reading through Habakkuk, it's not... Am I pronouncing it the right way? I don't know. I'm confused now. It's not... A lot of the other writings, we'll take Jeremiah, for example, they're direct conversations with Israel. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're like directly in addressed to Israel kind of as an in, like interceding between Israel and God. And yeah. so um, Habakkuk's different because he's not, he's not talking to Israel at all in it. Like the entire, I think the entire beginning section, which is where we'll be pulling from, is his conversation with God, mm -hmm. uh, which is like a very 
very different. Um, and so I think kind of where we're going to be getting is just after kind of the, it, well, it's mid wrestling with God. It's kind of this like, well, it's actually just, I think it's just after wrestling with God. The first two chapters um, are very heavily like this kind of argument and dialogue with God over justice. Hmm. And which is very, I mean, it's like, I, I think it's beautiful because it's its own little niche, if you will. Of like, um, And so now we're at this, we're going to be reading from chapter three and it's kind of this, uh, I don't know, maybe like transition-ish. It's like kind of this, it, chapter three is like kind of, a beautiful change, if you will, from this wrestling to kind of more of a declaration of kind of faith. Hmm. Um, and that's where we're reading from. So verse, or sorry, chapter three, and then we'll be reading the very end of chapter three. So um, kind of long passage, but from 16 to 19. Uh, do you want to start or do you want me to start? No, no, no. by okay. all means. So I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crops fail and the fields produce no food, uh, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior." The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, I mean, for context, right, um, Jeremiah, as a contemporary of Jeremiah, Jeremiah um, is writing, prophesying, right up until, um, and even within, even, the takeover of, of Judah by Babylon. So right. Nebuchadnezzar comes and just like invades Judah. Um, is is Habakkuk also Judean or is he an Israelite? I believe I believe he's I believe he was he I'm pretty sure he was Judean because I'm pretty okay. sure he lived in Judah. So okay. Um, well, if someone knows and I'm wrong, like I don't. This is going off of what my wonderful friend taught me in like ninth grade so um, all right old knowledge it's you're going way back when <laughs> and so um this is also what habakkuk here is mentioning um when he says the day of calamity mm-hmm. that's very much referring right. to when uh nebuchadnezzar and the, the the babylonians are going to come and just sweep away uh judah and israel and that's a chaotic imagery mm-hmm. um where it's like i don't know sometimes when you're reading things like this you're like oh yeah yeah like oh, things happening nation nation invades oh yes because you read it so fast like it right goes by it, so i mean it's just like a, a another um, historical data point but it's like no that's like mass slaughtering yeah. of people and well i mean all the examples he gives the fig tree does not bud the grapes aren't on the vine the crop fails yeah, it's like a famine it's like the nation is just gone, and now right. the world is just like it's like no food, utter no ruin. animals. It's not even just like no crops. It's like no, you don't even have animals mm-hmm. to continue, like for hope for the future. Almost, there's like kind of the sense of like complete despair. Yeah. Um, which I don't know. I've definitely felt before. <laughs> Maybe not to the extent. Not where no yeah. Food no, no, no. Not anything. quite to the same extent. I think the the sense. Not the literal reason why for mm-hmm. despair, but the the sense of, come on, God, like, 
Well, I mean, despair is without hope. It's Latin. That's a wonderful contribution, Tim. So, Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, I mean... That's actually funny. Yes. And yet... That makes sense. And yet... Um, and yet he says, I will rejoice in the Lord. Yeah. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. And the Sovereign Lord is my strength. So, like, that idea that, um, you know, all these circumstances are going on that are terrible, right? They should be circumstances to despair in. Right. There should be circumstances where you have no hope. Um, and yet he is rejoicing in the Lord um, because why? Why? Yeah, so I think the main thing that we were kind of talking about was, or we are going to, is this idea of the promises of God mm -hmm. um, and how there is this idea of kind of even when everything is going kaput and nothing is like everything's yeah is going in like from how we're looking at the world and our experiences it's all messed up and it is i mean um there's this idea of trust that god will uphold his promises yeah um and so i mean you can see that even in the very end here he makes my feet like the feet of a deer he enables me to tread on the heights this idea that that god is giving him something Right, yeah. Uh, that he is enabling him. I think it's very much this idea of a promise that God has given uh -huh. that he knows is fulfilled. Um, he doesn't say, uh, he might make my feet like the feet of a deer, no, and maybe I will be able to tread on the heights. He says, this is a certainty mm -hmm. that he makes, he makes this happen. So what are the things we know for certain? I think that's a good place to go. Yeah. I mean, well, we know for certain what are things in the Bible. That is what what is true. Um, and uh, very interestingly, in uh, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, um, Paul writes in Romans 8.28, a book we've been in many, many times. Um, uh, he writes... It's just that good. <laughs> he writes that, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I think there's a lot there. There is a lot there. Because there's a lot you're supposed to be reading in, like kind of intuiting when you're reading that, mm -hmm. of like, well, what does it mean to like to work for the good? What does it look like? What is the good? <laughs> yes. Uh, those who love him and according to his purpose, like called according to his purpose. There's like a lot to break down. A lot. Um, Let's start with the first one, the good. I think this is easy if we use an example of like parenting. Yeah. Right? That's the example I always hear you use. So, like, let's say you're a parent, um, and uh, actually there was a very good example in the sermon this it morning. It was a very good example. I, I'm, I don't feel comfortable using because it was um, specifically quoting the pastor's kid. So I feel like it would be unfair to him to reuse that content. But let's say, let's say... Yeah, it's copyrighted. <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, intellectual material that is not mine. Let's say you're a parent. You have a, a fairly young kid, um, at elementary age. Uh, Halloween's coming up. Um, actually, when this episode comes out, Halloween will be like almost... Like a week away. Yeah, a week away. So uh, it's Halloween time, and your elementary school age kid comes back from trick-or-treating mm -hmm. with a huge amount of candy, right? 
And what does that kid want to do? Eat it all. Eat it all. And what, as the parent, is your... Um, duty. What is your duty? Make sure they do not eat almost all of it. <laughs> yes. And, w- like, why is that? Obviously, the kid thinks, all of this candy is the best thing that can happen mm-hmm. to me tonight. Like, this is what I want to do. I just want to eat it all. It'll be good for me. Yeah. But as a parent, I mean, you're responsible for their teeth. You're responsible for their health, their well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and making sure that, like, all that candy at once is not good for a multitude of reasons. Um and for me, the biggest reason is the knowledge that um, what the kid thinks is the, the greatest good, right? That sugar high. Right. <laughs> it doesn't last. It falls away. And what you're left with is uh, a crash, which is like terrible, especially for little kids. And so it's this idea that as the parent, you have superior knowledge mm-hmm. and you know um by, by knowing the circumstances better, by knowing what, um, what will happen better, you're able to determine what is objectively the good for the kid mm-hmm. um, because of that knowledge. Yeah, and I think, I think that really gets at the, the key point of what you're trusting. What, are, what is it that we're actually trusting in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, I'm not trusting that like, oh, maybe I should phrase it in the positive. I'm trusting that God knows more than I do. Mm-hmm. And that even though I don't understand what's happening, I don't understand why it's happening, I'm putting my trust that he is using it for good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a really hard thing to do. Like, to actually notionally ascend to that is like, I don't think I do. I don't. I, well, I don't think you actually can in every circumstance actually notionally assent to that. Yeah. But it's the ideal. It's certainly. the goal. <laughs> it's the goal. It's like, okay, I've been, I think I mentioned this earlier, but like I've been, no, have I mentioned this earlier? I've mentioned it to someone at some point today. Um, is that I've been reading through Job recently. And Job is one of the books of the Bible. It's also in the Old Testament. It's a little unique because it follows a man named Job. It's a story. Um and basically the entire premise is that there's this man who's good and honorable in the eyes of God. Like Job. He's Job. Oh, this is Job. Yes, this is Job. Um, and he, basically God takes everything from him. His, his, all of his kids die. Mm-hmm. Um, his He was a rich man. He had many possessions. All of it is destroyed. His crops are destroyed. Basically everything. This man is left with nothing. Um, and there's this idea that in... Job, what we see is him basically saying, no, I want an audience with God. Mm-hmm. Like I, all I want is to like, to have an audience with God and make my case, um, like for my righteousness. And I think in reading that there's not, there's an aspect to which it's like, I think when, when we're struggling with trusting in God, I think the most important part or maybe, yeah, is turning to him mm. to struggle. Yeah, We see the same thing earlier on in Habakkuk, but there's this idea where it's like when he's wrestling with God, he's wrestling with God. Like he is turning to God, mm. yelling. We see the same thing like the Psalms in the Old Testament, um, where it's like there's this idea of turning in anger to God and screaming and shouting and kicking at him and being like, God, 
why are you letting this happen? I do not understand it. Mm -hmm. Like, how can this possibly be good? And I still think that to this day. Like, I still really struggle with the fact that um, God would allow a lot of these things, like, to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, But it's like, even though I'm probably never, like, I'm at least right now, I'm like, in my lifetime here on earth, I probably will never completely reconcile. Like, I will never understand. Yeah. But I'm putting trust that, like, putting trust in God that he does know mm-hmm. and that there is something going on here for good, even though that's, like, even in saying that, it's hard to yeah. believe, right? I mean, it's like, as God tells Job, where were you when I laid the foundations mm-hmm. of the of the planet, of the world? Um, Oof. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Not there. <laughs> right. I was not there. Um, and this idea that God, like the parent in our example, has that superior knowledge. In fact, infinite knowledge of what is happening. And through that knowledge, he does know what is objectively mm-hmm. good for you. So then, uh, who are those who love him and have been called according to his purpose? Starts with a C. Then it's H-R-I... S T A. You miss an I. What? Christians. Yeah, you missed the I before A. <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah. I. My bad. <laughs> right, um, Christians. Christians. <laughs> and I mean, that's part of what even Christian means. It's a follower of Christ, Christ yeah. right? Christian coming from Christ, um, and that idea that, well, we're not just followers of Him, but we are lovers of Him. Right. I think the yeah. We'll, we'll talk, we'll talk about, about love, love. <laughs> at um, a later date. It's coming around the corner. But there is this idea of, I think there is this idea in Christian circles of, like, the emphasis being on God's love for us. Mm-hmm. And he, like, we love him because he first loved us. Yes. Loved us. There we go. Um, Scriptural. That is actually literally from the Bible, the, the Bible. Um and so we are his, like, we are his children. I think, well, wait, this is perfect. We've been talking about grafted in. Yes. Who, that's, oh, look at these connections. This is because it's one unified story, guys. Um, but Christians, the ones, Christ followers, followers of God, we are God's people. Why mm-hmm. are we God's people? Because, as we talked about, I think two or three weeks ago now, we have been grafted yes. into the tree, into the tree of God. Or family of God. A um, family of God, right? We're not just God's people. We're God's children. Yes. Beautiful. So cool. So yes, it is to those that God works. Which also fits in with the image of the, the parent with the children. That's true. It does fit into that. God being our... Yeah, this is why people say God the Father. Yes. I mean, like, besides the fo- fact that the Trinity and it's like God the Father is one part, but um, yes. God the Father. All right. That's one incredible promise. I'm not sure you need another promise after that. But um, we thought it would be fun to reference because we used this passage last week in yes. a completely different context. Very different. Um, but it's Matthew 11, 28 to 29. And we read this last week. And it says, Come to me, all who are wearied and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And we read this, and we were like, whoa, that's a promise. Like, 
obviously last week we were focusing on the humbleness part, I think, um, like the humility, right, mm-hmm. of, of Christ. But this is also a promise. It is. By God. I will give you rest. Like, I will give you rest. And then in verse 30 as well, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Another promise. Another promise. That um, turning to God, um, becoming one who loves him. It doesn't mean you're like picking up this heavy burden. Right. Um, In fact, you're laying off your heavy burden. Um, You're finding rest in God. And now your burden is light. Your yoke is easy. Yeah. And I think one of the things I think is really wonderful is like, this is the word of God, right? And Mm so, um, well, okay. So my mom, she did this thing called Moms in Prayer when we were kids. And actually she still does where basically a bunch of moms would get together and they pray for all of their kids and the schools that their kids went to and all the teachers and things like that. And they prayed every week. That's nice. Um, yeah, it's one, oh my goodness, my mom loved it. She, she credit, for those of you who don't know, didn't, don't really know who I am. When I was a kid, I was a menace, um, according to literally everyone in my life, which is wonderful. And somehow I stopped being quite as much of a menace as I was at one point. And my mom was, this was like, this was unexpected. This was like, my parents were like, what are we going to do when this child becomes mm-hmm. a teenager and independent? I think they were concerned from the moment I started walking. They were like, what? The more freedom she gets, like the more troubling this becomes. Anyway, Jesus is wonderful. And that did not become the case. But my mom credits that to praying. I don't know how I got there. Anyway, the thing that I was going to say is that moms in prayer, um, basically their kind of mentality or modus operandi, if you will, is that they read, they, they pray scripture for kids and for teachers and for everyone. So they basically are taking the word of God and repeating it back to God. Um, And so a lot of them are focused on promises of God. And I think that's really wonderful because God's not saying this and then going to be like, oh, just kidding. Like I didn't actually really mean it. And there is something to be said for context. Like I can take a whole lot of verses out of context. Like, um, like I, like there's Jeremiah, what is it? twenty. 9-11, like, for I know the plans I have for yeah. you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, I think is a loose translation. Um, and obviously you can take that out of context and be like, oh, yes, uh, if I ask for anything that I think is good, <laughs> God will provide it right. because he said so. Um, and so obviously with that little caveat, not doing that, taking verses in context, taking these verses and being like, no, God, you said that you're working for good show me how, like, show me how you're taking my friend almost dying. Like, how is that for good? Like, Mm -hmm. show me. I'm still waiting for an answer uh, to a certain extent. I mean, actually, the context for this, this was a wonderful story. My friend is like a really strong Christian now. Mm. And through that experience, I mean, obviously, like, depression doesn't ever fully go away, but like, um, is in a much better place now. And is able to glorify like her story of being able to glorify God now is, or even through it anyway, really wonderful. That's like a tangent. That's a blessing in my life uh, of the fact that I still get to have her as a sister in Christ, like right here and right now. Um, But getting to pray these back to God, even if we don't have the answer right away, he's listening. Like he's there, he's hearing us and we can, we can, if we want, if we're in the mood, just scream at him. <laughs> yeah. And what he'll do with that is, you know, he'll, he'll take 
he'll take the anger and what you'll find in the end is the the light yoke or the the easy yoke and the light burden mm-hmm. and the rest that he promises and i think i mean for me as well going through experiences like i did my freshman year i think it it really does uh you know i don't i don't want to diminish the the pain and suffering that exists in this world um but there is a way that through these promises um by having trust that God will fulfill those promises, knowing, in fact, as Paul says, we know that in all things God will work, or God works for the good of those who love him, right? Knowing that and having faith and trust in that, it allows you to grapple with the, the depression, with the sadness, with the hard struggles in this life, and instead of succumbing to them, um, instead of going like this world is just too fallen it is too bad for me to live in mm-hmm. um and despairing losing all hope um instead you're able to look forward um and look beyond what you're suffering and say i know that god has promised this and i know it's coming in the future and you're able to live for that yeah um to live for christ really? Yeah, maybe this is this kind of flows perfectly into I think a good question for all of us to ask ourselves, which is like what is it that we're going through right now or have gone through in the past or what circumstance is it that we need to turn to God mm-hmm. um through? And basically that despite we can still seek to rejoice in God. And I'm adding the caveat seek because actually rejoicing in God is so hard. Like, right. it's really hard. That's the goal. That's the goal. Seeking um, is the first step. Seeking, yeah. And so seeking to rejoice in God can mean, as we said earlier, like screaming at him and mm-hmm. um, crying and processing. And those are, like, good. Like, those are good things to do. Lamenting. Lamenting. lamenting oh, my God. goodness. Lamenting is a whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's, yes, lament, yes. We should, oh, we should talk about that sometime. Mm about like what does it look like to lament maybe maybe because sometime. i think yeah anyway but if you you want you can lamentations mm-hmm. a good book of the bible to read just google it look pop right up you can read through lamentations that's those are really beautiful mm-hmm. some of the psalms are also like psalms of lament um but yeah like turning to him what circumstances or what things are we going through right now that we want to turn like we need to turn to god yeah and as habakkuk says you know we can list all those circumstances, but at the end of the day, the goal is to say, yet I will rejoice yeah. in the Lord. And actually, okay, this is, we're nearing the end, but one last little thing, because you just said, like, um, yet I will rejoice. I was realizing, I don't know, maybe this is a bit of a stretch, but in saying will, it's not saying I am. Right. And I think that actually is an important distinction, because it's like, what do I seek to do? I seek to rejoice in the Lord. Mm. And it's like, what will I do? Like looking towards, looking forward, even when it's really rough. Mm-hmm. And even when rejoicing in that moment seems like an actually impossible feat. It's like, what will, like, what will you do? What, and that, like the looking forward. Yeah. 
And I think by looking forward, uh, what you actually get is also some in the present. Mm-hmm. Um, looking forward to a time when you will rejoice. Seeking that, I think it, it very much helps you actually have it in the present. Yeah, I think that ties into like God being a comforter. Mm-hmm. So, there's so much other things to talk about. But... Everything is just like this giant web. It's a whole puzzle. Who would I know? really enjoy... I don't know if this is just me. Maybe it's the way my brain works. I love thinking about the Bible like a puzzle. And not like a rubik's cube you have to solve like it's not like it's not like something you have to solve it's not a solving puzzle like yeah. i think that's the that's the wrong way at least that's not the way i'm referring to it as but it's something where it's like you have all these puzzle pieces and they just fit together and then like it's like a, a what are they called like a what, what, when you have those pictures and they have and then you put them together what is that called it's like a picture and it has the puzzle pieces and you put the puzzle pieces together to make a picture a jigsaw puzzle is it called a jigsaw puzzle i don't know I think they used to cut them out with a jigsaw, and that's why they call it a jigsaw puzzle. Well, maybe it is a jigsaw puzzle. Wow, I completely blanked. I think they use lasers now. Like, I completely blanked on what kind, what the name was. Okay, a jigsaw puzzle. Yes, it's a jigsaw puzzle where you have all of, like, it makes a beautiful imagery, like a thing at the end. Mm-hmm. That's how I like to think of the Bible sometimes, where it's like you have all these, where each little puzzle piece is like a verse in the Bible, and they, like, you put them all together, mm. and then at the end you have just, like, the glory of God being just off full display. Yeah. I mean, I think of it similarly, but I think of it more as like, um, the more you like study it and the more you research it and the more you like dive into it, as opposed to like adding pieces to the puzzle. Um, it's like the, it's like a map on like a video game. Mm. I like, you start off with just like one little pinpoint of yeah, and the, then as the you... region you've explored. Mm-hmm. And then like the deeper you get into it, the more of the big picture you see. So, I I mean, it's similar to the jigsaw puzzle, but it's not like, I don't know. It's more of an exploratory realizing what is already there than, like, creating what is going to mm-hmm. exist, if that makes okay. sense. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. A very subtle difference, but I don't know. I mean, for me, going back to that question, um, this weekend, I have, like, a lot of work to do yet, so... Uh, those are my present circumstances is just like drowning in work. And, um, there have been a a few times in the last couple of weeks where I've also been drowning in work over the weekend and I have not rejoiced in the Lord. I will say that definitively. I have not. I'd like to second and third that. Um, but I don't know, you know, every week has gotten better in the terms Hmm. of, I think I've gotten like more work and yet my mentality towards my, it. my countenance mm. has been uh more joyous because i think i i am i think i'm growing in my relationship with god that i can seek that joy even in the midst of a busy semester yeah that's wonderful and so just to wrap up because <laughs> uh, we i mean we've been going for a long time but joy is so good um and joy it's like we said, it's more than this emotion, um, the physiological condition of your body. Um, instead, it's a condition of uh, within your spirit, within your mm-hmm. heart, um, and it you you get that through um, through faith that God will deliver on His promises. Um, specifically, as we looked at the promise that He is working things to the good of those who love Him. Yeah, so we got there by kind of looking at. Starting with the Philippians verse of like rejoice in the Lord always. 
and looking at like what does it mean to rejoice in the Lord on the mm-hmm. first half. And so looking otherwhere in Philippians to kind of see the word rejoice being used. And then the second half, which is always rejoice always. And, um, looking in Habakkuk, Habakkuk, um, if you will. And then kind of from there being like, well, why are you trusting and looking at his promises, um, and the promises that he has for us and getting to see kind of a, a little bit of the map slash puzzle being revealed to us of, mm. um, what it looks like kind of to have that heart attitude towards God uh, in trust that like he will uphold his promises, even when the emotional state is not there. And that is just uh, like 50 minutes of joy. And there's so much more out there, but that's what we have for this week. Um, So thank you. um, If you've listened to this point, whether it's your first time listening to the podcast or your sixth, seventh, sixth, uh, seventh. seventh, actually, because there is Whoa. The premiere stuff. Look at us go. Um, thank you for listening yeah, this far. You. And uh, I hope you find the joy of the Lord. Yeah, we'd love to have you stay up to date uh, with The Good Fight by following Columbia Witness on Instagram, Facebook, so you'll know when we release content. Um, at this point, one of the best things you can do for us is let your friends know or share an episode. So if this episode spoke to you, um, please pass it along to someone else. Um, or if there are any of the other ones, you can go back. There's nothing against going back to old ones and sending them on. Um, yes, we'd love to, we'd love to get our voices out to as many people as possible. Um, and also if you have any comments on anything we ever say and are like, hmm, there's more history or context, please send it our way. We're here to, we're learning, we're having fun. Um, and we'd love to get your opinion and involvement and et cetera, et cetera. Right, and so you can um, get us that opinion through um, the Columbia Witness on Instagram or Facebook, or um, for those who are particularly brave, I suppose, brave. You, can, you can send us a very personalized email that <laughs> only we will see um, ah, yes. at witnessthegoodfight at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on The Good Fight, where campus meets Christ.